Welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join live streams, real-world events, to share, inspire each other, and ultimately to create better tattoos and art together. We beam out nearly every single day, and with your help, we've evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have been receiving uh, rave reviews. Thank you very much for the reviews. You are currently listening to part two of Tattoo Apprenticeships in the Digital Age with Amy Nichols and Kirsten. You may be beaming in from YouTube or Facebook or listening to the podcast. Actually, no, you're listening to the podcast because I'm recording this specifically for the podcast. But you can always get the latest event schedule and notifications at the official Reinventing the Tattoo community. Found in both of the app stores, Pick Your Poison, the Apple Store, or the Google Play Store, or surf directly to community.reinventingthetattoo.com. There, you're going to be able to find replays of all of the Reinventing the Tattoo Network shows, the art jams, the drawing groups, the interviews, panels, webinars. Seriously, all of this can be enjoyed on demand and found in the library, as well as the YouTube and podcast channels. There's countless tattoo and art rabbit holes to go down, perfect for the front room of the studio or to entertain your tattoo clients. In fact, we're beaming out four channels any given time. If you surf on over to reinventing247.com, not only can you check out these four channels, but you also can register for a re famous Reinventing the Tattoo goodie bag, presuming you're a tattoo artist and have a shop address. For instance, if you head on over to reinventing247.com, you could check out Machines, Magnetism, and Mayhem with Tony Urbanic. There's a Reinventing Drawing Group live with Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network. There's episode 35 of the Tattoo Collecting Podcast, and on the Global Channel in Espanol, a live biomech demo with uh, Roberto Talavera. So, check it out. Uh, if you scroll to the bottom of that page, you go right past our sponsors, uh, then you can fill out the form for the famous Reinventing the Tattoo goodie bag. It's currently including Cheyenne cartridges, raw pigments, and more samples of things are coming in as we speak. Grab your pen and paper. Weekly Reinventing the Tattoo Community shows include Sundays at 1 p.m., the Reinventing Drawing Groups with Jason Leeser. You are encouraged to beam in and do your tattoo or drawing homework. We have Sundays at 9 o'clock, the Tattoo Weekly, where Jake Meeks, Lauren, and I will go over the previous week's highlights and talk about some of the upcoming shows in the next week, as well as various news and a variety of segments. Mondays at 9 o'clock in the morning Eastern, Jake Meeks of the Fireside Tattoo Network leads another reinventing drawing group where artists are encouraged to beam in. And then Mondays at 9 p.m., we have subscribers-only exercises with Guy Aitchison. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. with Ricardo is another morning drawing group. Wednesdays at 12 noon, we have the Tattoo Now show where I'll do all sorts of interviews and panels and whatnot. Thursdays at 12 noon, the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. Thursdays, 7 p.m. is another subscribers uh, exercise with, uh, with Kirsten. All levels are encouraged on Thursdays, including apprentices. And yeah, so those are events that happen every single week. Upcoming special events include a reinventing lettering session with Damon Tesh, Monday, July 5th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Ancient American Art with Professor Malin and Tattooer El Chamu at 2 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday, July 6th. Then on Wednesday, July 7th at 12 noon, I'll be interviewing Veronica 
And the theme is reinventing my life through tattooing. Veronica is an awesome cosmetic tattooer, and she will be joining us at the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Uh, actually, speaking of the Brussels Tattoo Convention, let's talk about some upcoming real-world events. October 3rd to the 6th, 2021 is the Paradise BYOB. We will be webcasting out a lot of the Reinventing Live shows. Bob Tyrell's coming out to do uh, some seminars. We'll have art spots. We will have discussion panels, critiques, the whole nine yards. Everything will be a la carte. It's a BYOB, like bring your own brain, bring your own brushes, bring your own beats if you're a musician, berries if you're a vegan, but if you're into cannabis, beer, uh, anyways, BYOB, bring it. And uh, yeah, we'll webcast it. We can charge for seminars if you want. And um, if you want to take seminars, yeah, you can show up live at Jiminy Peak. Or, we'll, again, we'll be beaming everything out. We're still kind of coming out of this pandemic, so we're trying to be as chill as we can about, be about it. And again, it'll be like an old school party. Everyone can show up and share. Let's see. November 12th to the 14th is the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Nick Baxter, Ivana, and I will be doing seminars. A whole mess of reinventing artists are coming over, so we'll be doing art jams. We'll be doing subscriber-exclusive uh, meetups. We'll do some general meetups. It's going to be a lot of fun. November 12th to the 14th, the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Next year... May 20th to the 22nd, Hell City is Columbus, Hell City Columbus, hellcity.com. Check it out. Uh, July 8th to the 10th, 2022 is the Rock River Tattoo Art Expo in Rockford, Illinois. There'll be a full reinventing track, uh, 100 artists at least. Uh, it's an amazing venue. It's Cliff Breakers. It is overlooking a river, so we'll have a whole wall of windows with a beautiful view. July 29th to the 31st, 2022 is the Rubber City Tattoo Invitational. Uh, in Akron, Ohio, Tony Urbanek, and then October 20th to the 23rd, the Paradise Tattoo Gathering, the regular show, not the regular show, the amazing unique show, will be uh, hitting Jiminy Peak again. So that's the Thursday to Sunday full-on Paradise Tattoo Gathering. Our sponsors are inkjetstencils.com, where you can print stencils straight from your iPad or your computer. Saves your time, uh, saves your hands a little bit, or your apprentice's hands, saves you some dough. And you can basically be producing 21st century stencils for 21st century tattoos, inkjetstencils.com. Rawpigments.co is an ink company that's tapping straight into the pigment source. They have acrylic-free pigments, which means they don't dry up in the cup. And they are vegan, so check it out, rawpigments.co. Delize Pro, uh, known as Dermalize worldwide, but it's Delize Pro in the States is a healing um, solution for your tattoos. It's designed to heal wounds like tattoos. If you're still using saran wrap, just know that it, saran wrap specifically does not breathe. It's designed to like wrap meat, so it doesn't uh, let anything in. Your skin wants to heal. It needs a little oxygen and stuff. Anyways, check out the videos for Dermalize and see how the tattooers are using it, what they say about it. And yeah, that's uh, Delize Pro in the States, Dermalize Worldwide. TattooNow.com has been doing technology for the tattooers since the mid-90s. Uh, that is, we've transcended all of the different technologies. We are here to help tattooers connect with collectors in all of the different ways. Websites, search engines, client relationship management, webinars, uh, real-world uh, business consulting and whatnot. TattooNow.com. And then, uh, last but certainly not least, in fact, the founder of the Reinventing the Tattoo community is Guy Aitchison. Check out GuyAgeson.com. He has got, well, more tattoo clients than anyone could ever really imagine, but you can purchase some of his products. He's got the Biomech Encyclopedia. It took eight years of his life to make 
the definitive book on biomech that includes you know so many artists it's out of control he has uh, let's see guys got dvds for sale tattoo machines for sale uh, original paintings prints uh, countless thanks to guy for making this happen okay please leave your positive reviews on the channels to help us get the word out Feel free to send your constructive criticism, or if you're interested in sponsoring a reinventing event or the community, send those communications to management at reinventingthetattoo.com. And without further ado, this is the Tattoo Apprenticeships and the Digital Age Part Two. That's the other part of going to get tattooed is that if in that space it comes out that you're an artist and you guys start trading yes. and you start meeting each other it's less of an asking and more of them being like hey man you're pretty dope i kind of like you like yes. you know you want to hang out more like you want to come back absolutely. let me see your art absolutely you know so that's what ended up happening is i came in with a portfolio i i hit him up on facebook because his front end person at the time was just trying to friend request everybody possible. Actually, it was MySpace. That's how long ago it was. It was MySpace. I don't think Facebook was a thing. No, it was, it was MySpace. They were just top 10 friends. Well, <laughs> MySpace, like Facebook has a maximum amount of, of friend requests you could do. So they would max it out every day. And yeah. I said, Oh my God, Glen Burnie. I've never even been to Glen Burnie in Maryland. It was like 45 minutes away. And I was like, there's a tattoo shop and I had asked all the places locally and not really come up with anything. And, um, I was like, I'm going to just contact this person. Two weeks later, he hit me back. He was like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, see your portfolio. I got lost on the way. He was like, dude, like this is before it was like when I had MapQuest directions and GPS was really not good when it was in the, in the inner city. Like you could, it could get you mostly there, but like you kind of fucked when, it, yeah. now it like tells you prepare for the next turn i'm like really who's not prepared for the next turn you just told me 10 times to turn here uh, <laughs> so i'm like really you need this many prompts but um attention i guess was different so i got lost there i showed him my portfolio he's like your work's really good um i really like it but we don't need anybody so it was at that point that i started looking at his art and i was looking at the other people there and i was like you know what i really want and I gave him a design that I gave him and he did them on my arms, but he did them with his style. We went through it a little bit that I was a little attached to how he did certain things. And I let, I let him kind of do it, but I had a few requests that he kind of looked at me and he was like, really? Yeah. Um, but I got tattooed by him and I think that meant a lot to him that I was willing to wear his piece and that I really saw the talent that he had right away that I was like, yeah, I'm willing to wear you um, as Absolutely. well. So I think that that matters a lot when you're asking somebody to mentor you is, are you willing to wear, wear their art? My apprentice, oh, yeah, I offered, important. yeah, I, important. I offered an apprenticeship to her because she was my client for like five years before yeah, that's important. yeah because it's it's easy and once again if you have a, like one shop in your town it's hard to pick and choose your mentor because you have very few to choose from um but at the same time you shouldn't just settle for the first mentor that says yeah i'll take you on yeah because that may land you in some very horrible situations and some very um uncomfortable situations and hazing and abusing and it that does all exist because there's no unionizing for tattoo apprentices. It doesn't exist. It's yeah. and so um, it's very important to choose your mentor for what's best for you. Like yeah. what, and then I'm not saying that 
you know, I just want to do black and gray. So I'm going to go after a black and gray artist. Like you should in your beginning be pretty well-rounded, but as far as ethics go, as far as morality goes, as far as the way they operate as a person outside of their artistic value. Okay. That is more important. And when I was in the beginning of my apprenticeship, it's, it's important that you said that to get tattooed because when I went to it, I didn't, I I just, well, getting tattooed is important. (laughs) (laughs) I agreed with you. Um, but I would, I would travel to New York for my birthday with my mother. And I told my mom, I was like, oh my gosh, mom, Megan Massacre's shop is here. We have to go. Like, we have to go, mom. So she's like, um, okay, I guess. And when we were there, Jimmy Snaz was actually guest spotting there. And this was before his Ink Master time. So I had him do this rat that's on me. And um, there I asked him a whole bunch of questions. Like, what are you using? How do you do that? Why do you do that? Like, where do you do that from? Why is that there kind of thing? And, and he, like, he was pretty, he wasn't annoyed at all. He was very heightened by the inspiration that I have and the um, persistence and effort that I'm making to really try and find the answers to these questions. It's the same thing with my um, play doctor that was a tattoo artist at my first convention that I, I went to that I just visited at. And I only had a very minimal amount of money and it was my last day, but because I showed such enthusiasm, he was like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Come back at this time. If I'm not tattooing anybody, sure. So, and we had great conversations then, like, and I still talk to him to this day. And he's like the, one of the greatest people ever. Um, and this is how you can make connections, make relationships with artists. It's not just customer relationships with your clients. Right. It's, it's a relationship with all of your artists that you're going to be calling family one day. Like it's going to be these people who are going to be influencing you, helping you, guest spotting you, traveling with you. It's just a really small world. Yeah, absolutely. Technology, there's no excuse to not do it. There's no excuse to not network as far as that goes. But as as much as there is so much of it, just recognize that it's a small world. Like it's it seems bigger to us because it's what we inundate ourselves with. Yeah, but. I was always told, do not burn bridges. Um, And uh, there's a lot to that as as personal as this gets, as a lot of, you know, situations can arise. I feel like it's important to always hang in the back of your mind. You never know where you're going to be and you never know where they're going to be. And we're all having to work together once, especially if we go to conventions and stuff, which is a big part of our life. And if you want to do guest spots and whatever, you know, your relationships is what lends to that access later. And if you wreck those relationships, it can limit you so much to the access that you have later. So try, try not to burn too many bridges. And and the worst thing you can do in that aspect is if, you know, an artist who, let's say, let's say you're a color artist, right. And a black and gray artist comes up to you at a convention or whatever you're doing. And they'd be like, okay, man, like you're doing a pet. I'm doing a pet. Like, why don't we do like something together? Like, why don't we do something cool together? And you, and then, if you say something along the lines of, no, nah, man, I already know how to do that. Oh, that's a, that's yeah. a huge phrase that yeah. happens more often than not. That's I hard. already know how to do that, period. So like, or I know how to do that, or I right. know how that works. Why would I do that? You're I've already, already shutting that. yourself out <laughs> for new information. Like yeah. you're already stopping yourself because 
saying you already know that guarantees me you don't know that. <laughs> well, what are you going to do when somebody wants, I mean, just thinking about the kind of tattoos people get, like a plague doctor. Yeah. You know, how many have been done? How many will so you many. do? How many like elephants? Yeah. Uh, octopi, um, freaking fairies. How many are you going to have to do and still romance it and yeah. keep the joy of that experience yeah. alive within the requests that you get from your clients? Yeah. So it's, it's about a willingness to constantly recommit to a it, new experience. Yes. And, and when you should know as an artist when to go back to your basic fundamentals. Basic fundamentals are not just for younger artists or artists that no. are just learning. They're all the time. Like even like masters still have to sit back sometimes and be like, you know what? I think I need to go back to my fundamentals and re-up this because I'm seeing some inconsistencies. Yeah. This is just an egotistical game that you are playing with yourself saying, saying like, oh, I don't want to learn spheres. I want to learn how to make a face. Well, you can't learn how to make a face without learning how to make a sphere, sweetheart. Let me tell you. <laughs> There's lots of spheres. Lots of spheres. Lots of them. Like so many triangles. It's insane. It's, <laughs> so without learning that, you're actually making the journey much worse for yourself. Right. Because if you learn those basic fundamentals, then learning how to make a face, you're like, oh, that's so easy. <laughs> well, and going back to the, the four agreements, one of the agreements is to never assume. And so a big part of foundational art is, okay, you don't assume just based on a past experience of drawing something that it's going to be like that. Yeah. And a big thing about if you're drawing from reality, or at least as far as training is involved, they have you draw a lot from reality as opposed to a picture, as opposed yeah. to um, something that has already been drawn before, because then that's somebody else's eye and somebody yeah. else's experience and choices. Um, it's about looking like you, you should look at the object as much, if not more than you look at your, your picture, your, like what you're actually drawing, like yeah. your hand should be moving while you're still looking. Yeah like this it's, yeah, but it's because a, it's you don't point. make those assumptions absolutely, absolutely. Um, and that's a big thing is that you should be constantly looking and reacting looking yeah. and reacting and and that is a big part of that do not make assumptions don't stay here and then start getting into all this stuff that isn't in front of you because what you're working from yeah. them is a preconceived notion in your mind. And, and that's a huge tattooable comment too, because when you're not making the sense of exactly what you see, then it's just like, well, it's right in front of you. Why didn't you just look up? <laughs> yeah. Just commit to the stencil. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this that's more like going into like the tattooing aspects of it. Um, it but it's, it's important to also state that when going off of reference, you shouldn't always be manipulated by your reference. It's just a reference. It's right. not the exact image, unless you are doing a photocopy, realism, portrait, pet portrait, whatever. But at obviously your apprentice stage, you're not going to be doing that for a while. <laughs> well, and there's a thing about in the digital age. So a big thing with tattoo artists is, is that tracing is involved because there is yeah. a hand mobility that's in it, but you yes. don't want to default to tracing. It will yes. be something that will be an expedition tool later. And it is a, a technique in itself as yes. a control thing. However, 
with digital media, you have the ability to scrap a lot of tangible things like tracing paper and things like that. You can layer on top of things digitally and you can do that. And it's a very tempting thing to trace most things that you do. Going back to reinventing, fundamentals, all that stuff. They have you look at reference and draw. You're not tracing. You're exercising your ability to draw what's in front of you and combine references because a big thing that happens in the digital age is that people regurgitate the same fucking image over and over again because they look at a Google search and they look at the first 10 things that are there and they pick this. If I see that goddamn Poseidon one more time. Yeah. I'm going to scream. I've, I've had, it's funny. I've had a couple clients these past couple of weeks. They all don't know each other, but they all have sent me the same butterfly reference. They're like, I yeah. want this. And I'm like, I've yeah. done that. Right. <laughs> I, I think we could find something else yeah, to do yeah. with this so, butterfly um, that's unique. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yours. That's super, that's a super important thing. But mm-hmm. I think, so we definitely went over like, you know, the mentalities yeah, process, keep us on track, please. <laughs> uh, of beginning parts of apprenticeships, and we went over, you know, the portfolios. But once the apprentice is actually in the door and here, and you got it, congratulations, you did it, you got the apprenticeship. Does not stop there; no. it's just the beginning. And yes. even when you graduate that apprenticeship, it's a new beginning. Like this is another, like this isn't it? You yes. you just started. So once you are actually in your apprenticeship. Uh, what is advice we can give these apprentice, apprentices as far as surviving the apprenticeship, mentality in this apprenticeship, what to focus on, and how to make it out alive, you know? Okay, so a lot of things I'm telling you guys, not because I'm good at them, but because I, um, I, I can give advice from a place of lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I needed humility. I have a problem with listening as opposed to speaking. Yeah. Um, you, you can be assumed a fool or you can be proven one. And a great way to be proven one is to open your face. So with the question that like, you know, what is a filbert brush, for example, as an observance, you can Google that now. So I would say that like, it would behoove you to maybe cache some of the things that you're hearing and once your mentor is done speaking, listen intently, tick some things that are like questions in your mind. Yeah. Maybe do a little research on your own to kind of fill it, fill it out and then come back with some informed questions to your mentor to um, go, oh, this person did, did their own work. I mean, I had a point with my with my mentor where I asked him where the target was. And it was literally right across the street. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? I'm going to fire you. Like, I'm going to fire you. Are you for real? I was like, dude, I didn't look up. And he's like, well, I need you to look up. I need you to be aware. What is the Google? So he's like, I need you to answer some of these questions for yourself and come back to me informed. And you cannot camp your entire knowledge into me because this is your journey i need you to become a person who can teach yourself eventually and answer your own questions and please don't come at me not that they're stupid questions but they're just you could knee jerk yourself yeah they're knee jerk questions so i would say that as advice definitely job 101 kind of stuff yes like i said to kier before we started big thing is do not fuck around yeah, with this is not the schedule with anything like if you have a time you're supposed to be there 
do not be late. The first three months, they don't know you, you don't know them. You want to shine your ass off any single job that you go to. If you're late, yeah. If you're late, if you're lazy, if you bulk at doing anything, you're on probation at any job for the first three months. Most will not offer you benefits past six months or anything like that. So I'd say, think about it in terms of that. You have to prove yourself within that timeline and make sure that you're very adamant about showing everything that you're coming with, everything that you're going to be, everything that you hope to be and embrace the suck of it. Like the Marines say, if it sucks, embrace it because it, it it's good. It's okay. Now, I think prior, we're going to get to the questions eventually, but in terms of hazing, the one thing I can say to people, and I was trying to quantify it with Kira before we started, I'd say the distinguishing factor in hazing is as a mentor. Mentor perspective. Now. Right. Um, if it's something that I am willing to lose you as and do it and it's hard, I would rather do that than, than have you go out into the world lacking this skill or this perspective that I'm trying to give you. Like if it's worth losing you over, because you're also facilitating things for me as my apprentice, like, you know, you're doing dirty work, you're doing a lot of things, you're doing a lot of grunt stuff, you're learning a bunch of things, like you can do my setup, you could answer phone calls, like so many facets of, of the business aspect of it, you're facilitating. So you matter to me. And I wouldn't take on an apprentice if I didn't care. Let me just say about legacy. So understand that I think that if your mentor is a kind of person that through the the way that they teach you and handle you, it's very clear that they care about legacy and about what they're giving you and what you're going to potentially leave their shop with as a knowledge base, if they feel good about that as a reflection, that's great. Now, if it's something, and I also think that you should be able to have a dialogue. Um, In the times where I was, I I know hazed, I push back. And within pushing back, um, one, I found out a lot about myself. Two, it's about my own boundaries and everything, but I was able to have a dialogue and it never happened again. So I'd say that if you're able to have a dialogue about it and kind of squash it, or at least come to an agreement as to why this was done, um, that kind of distinguishes it between hazy. But if you're like, no, you're mine, shut up, fucking do what I say. Don't talk to anybody else. Don't look up whatever. Yeah. You're, you're not a dog. And I wouldn't even treat a dog that way. That's something, that's something <laughs> like, we also have to very much mention before I put in my input as far as what you should be as work ethic wise as an apprentice yeah. is that, okay, worst case scenario, you get in, you think that this mentor is going to teach you everything and you get in there and six months down the line, you realize that this is very abusive. Okay. There's a fine line of hazing. There's a fine line of teaching to absolute abuse and uh neglect and not going to get you any it's nothing but detrimental to your mental health and well-being this industry is very important to you and you know that you want to do this you have the drive you have the effort that's there but this person is just not teaching you the way that you need to or at the same time abusing you absolutely to the extent okay 
we're both telling you right now, looking in the camera, get out of that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is not the only mentor that is going to teach you. First of all, second of all, this is not the only place that is going to be best for you. It's going to do nothing but hurt your career, hurt you mentally and give you a lot of trauma that you're never going to come back from. We said ego mastery, not ego crippling. Yeah. So if you find yourself in a place where somebody is clearly lessening your shine so that yeah. they can be bigger in or the room. Or your apprentice is, your apprenticeship is going on four years and you're like, I'm not learning anything. Right. Get out. Get out. Get out, please. Yeah. And that, and that is a thing. And we were asked that too about timelines. That's yeah, a absolutely. very independent thing that is per person. Uh-huh. But that's a big thing to see is that, you know, if you feel progress. within yourself, yeah, if you, you see no progress and you see no assimilation, if you're not feeling at least a progression in where you're feeling within a shop or in a space that you are kind of graduating to what the expectation is, you're kind of feeling the groove out a little bit more and finding a rhythm. If it's always you're going to be just knocked back down, knocked back down, yeah. knocked back down that is abusive. That is somebody less near shine. And, and there should be a pride, I think of your mentor. Like if you're not hearing, that's really great. I'm proud of you. You did that. If that doesn't come out ever, that's also telling because yeah. I feel like you can distinctly know the difference. Yeah. Like there's exactly, you are, you know, you're smart enough to get an apprenticeship, which is hard yeah. already. Yeah. You're smart enough to recognize what is healthy and unhealthy in a relationship between mentor and apprentice. Right. Okay. Um, and this is speaking to mentors as well, who have had apprentices or have an apprentice currently. I'm speaking to you now as mentors, like apprentices, take a break. You've had your ears getting reamed out for the last like hour. And some time. <laughs> All right. This is for mentors now. Okay. Understand mentors who have apprentices or are thinking about taking on an apprentice or have, you know, anything. Okay. Understand that this little being, whether they're as old as you or 10 years younger than you or 20 years younger than you, this little being is looking at you like you're God. Like you are the only result and reason that they are going to get anywhere, okay? You are their shadow for the rest of their career. Every time they look in the mirror, every time they pull a line, it's you that is going to be in their reflection. So please understand that. And the next time you look at your apprentice, look at them in that manner. Be like, this little person I am responsible for, this little person I am guiding to put into a position to where they are going to have to deal with their own situations. And I know that they are going to be perfectly fine because I did everything for them. Yeah. Okay. And if you can't handle that pressure, which it is pressure, pressure, don't do it. Yes. It's okay. You don't have to have an apprentice. Well, and I would say this too, is that there's a humility there in within that, of that. Yeah. So I don't feel like you need to know everything, yeah. but I do think that you have to be willing to be vulnerable about what you do and don't know and come off of that readily. And when you're in a place of like, oh shit, I don't really know that. Let me hit you back. Yeah. And also understand be that honest. pain that is not transformed is transmitted. Yeah. And that was something that came up with me a lot is that people would treat me the way that they were treated. And yes. they would, they would be like, well, in my apprenticeship, it would lose. Yeah. So I was you're like, going to have to deal with this too. It's like, that's not, well, no, I was like, well, dude, did you like that when that was done to you? No, it fucking sucked. Okay. So why do you want to do that to another person? Like, seriously, mm-hmm. why do you think that that's an okay thing to do to another human being? If 
you as a person saw no validity in it, thought it was abusive, thought it was awful, you really want to keep that abusive chain and cycle going to the next generation of human? Do you think that's healthy? It's not. It's not cool. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I'm, I'm fine with some joshing, man. I'm fine with like, I like getting dirty. Like I said, I like grit. I like testing my boundaries. I like pressure. I like sweating a little bit, you know, like, because there's an adventure there, there's an adrenaline spike and it's nice, but it's only that way. If I'm not being pushed beyond that. And once you find that your own boundaries are being leveraged for somebody else's pleasure because it really is that at that point you're dealing with a more sadistic personality trait that needs to make you feel pain because of something they've experienced once it becomes in that realm again get out and same with anybody if you're listening as a mentor if you find a reflection in that you really need to I think you need to manage your own shit a little bit or at the very least maybe just find, I, I mean, I don't want to tell people what to do. I mean, it's, you're going to be your style. There's a lot of sadist masochist relationships that I'm sure will work fine. I don't know. I don't and, want to choreograph I, it for you, but yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's something that I'm going to say last before I put my, my point on this is that I, I want every mentor who has an apprentice right now to message or call their apprentice after this and thank them. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> thank, like, them. thank them for dealing with the clients, for cleaning their stations, for working as hard as they do, for showing up every day because apprentices are hardworking and they want something that. Think they're met they're good. Yeah. It's, it's. Don't I thank want, them if they're not good. Yeah. Don't think that. Don't good. reward if, that if, they, if they're showing up late <laughs> and they don't know how to scrub nothing, don't thank them. But if they are truly hardworking and you are a very hard mentor on them, please thank them because it doesn't it happen often. And I don't see it happen often enough that apprentices get some sort of, you know what, man, you're doing a good job. Yeah, it does. It, well, there's an art to critique, too. Right. Absolutely. Like, so you don't go into a critique with everything that's wrong. Yes. You usually start with, OK, I see where you're going here. Yeah. Here's a few really good things here's some room for improvement. Absolutely. And I want it to be clear too. And this goes for the mentors who had just had apprentices and have graduated or maybe didn't work out. Still contact them and be like, you know what, man, like, I'm proud of you of what you did. I'm sorry if it didn't work out or if it did work out great, dude, I'm so, I'm just happy. I'm happy that you decided to start this journey in tattooing in this wonderful industry that we get to share. And that's at the end of the day, what it is, you're sharing an industry together. Why make their start of this beautiful industry absolutely painful and just ridiculing? Because that's not what this industry is about. And why show that to them in that way? And then just never talk to them again. And if you have anything more to add, mentor or apprentice, I just want you to know that both Kira and I, as we said earlier, we don't know everything. No. But we're passionate. Yeah. And we love this conversation. We love it. And we think it's a really valid conversation to have continually, progressively throughout many different people, because everybody has different experiences to lend. So even if you find objection with something that we have to say, I would love an email, um, uh, the apprenticeship diaries at gmail.com. If you wanted to email me and engage something, if you really wanted to tell me off, please do it on my podcast. I'd love to have that. Like I am totally fine with having a conversation. And that's the other thing about apprenticeship journeys. Anybody who's caged about them or anything, 
just know that it, it might open up a dialogue for something that I find it's like this, that if you, if you leave a wound open, it can bleed out a lot longer for very, and it'll take a lot longer to heal than if you confront it and you deal with the healing environment and you create a good healing environment for it, just as a metaphor of what I'm talking about. A lot of the situations where we do burn bridges or if we break ties usually comes down to, I feel like a matter of no closure. One of the things that's great about having a communication and dialogue and why I stress that as something that I feel like is essential for when you're moving into anything professionally is that so much can be healed if you're willing to confront and have a dialogue. So um, confrontation is never comfortable. But I do feel like in this industry, particularly because of so many things that we have to juggle all the time. Sorry, I hate you. Um, <laughs> confrontation is great and it doesn't have to actually be seen as confrontation. So if you have a dialogue that you want to talk about and there is two sides to a story, I think that's great. Absolutely. I think that's awesome. I want to hear them all. I don't think one story is the story. There's so many stories. And that's what also the digital age has taught us is that you got this person's perspective over here, this person's perspective over here, this person's from this country, this person's from this country. There's so many cultural things. It's all awesome. It's all about infusing ourselves with as much as we can and becoming worldly and helping each other grow and expand rather than cast shame and say, that's wrong. Um, you know, there, there are better ways to go about things, I think for sure. And a lot of that's about responsibility and about whether or not, like, like, like we're saying, when you want to bring it into a professional realm, it goes beyond you. Mm-hmm. If you want to keep your art for yourself, don't ever put it on the wall. Once you put it on the wall, then you're, you're opening the door for somebody to have an opinion about it. So understand that. And understand that you can't be mad about what opinions you get once you put something on the wall, because at that point, you're welcoming critique, you're welcoming that kind of influence in your life. And it's really important that you understand that about what you're calling to yourself. I think a big thing in the digital age right now is about optics and about what kind of brand do you want to be? What kind of story you want to? And that was the other thing that my apprentice had that was amazing. She had this tagline for herself. She, she's loud doodle. People know her as loud doodle. She had put like choreographed her being everything about her has this similar feeling and vibe. And she was, you could tell that she embraced every aspect of her life, her image, and she wanted it to reflect out from her. And it was a vibe that was really cool. You could catch it. I don't care what it is. You're into death metal. You're into like, whatever, make sure that the brand that you want to persist is the brand that you're cool with people seeing. And that it's when it's mirrored back to you, you're happy about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think that's absolutely an excellent thing to say. Um, but as far as, you know, work ethic goes, and I'm going to be speaking as somebody who just left her apprenticeship. So um, I'm speaking to everybody born after 97. Like, <laughs> yeah, this is where you're going to default. to. So this is where I default to. This is everybody born after 97. I know that's like none of anybody. So <laughs> that's, 
So basically, like you, you got your apprenticeship, and that's like, like that's amazing. Um, the best advice that I could give as far as surviving this apprenticeship, truthfully, nobody's gonna like it. Don't go out. <laughs> Say goodbye to your social life for a little while. On get rid of your Snapchat, get rid of your Twitter, get rid of your Facebook, get rid of it. Focus on learning artistic value. Take seminars online. That's what I did. I took seminars with Marshall Vandruff and Proco, and I took uh, online seminars on here with like Guy every Monday, and I do my own classes every Thursday. Um, yeah, wall in. Wall con- in. Constantly pumping out work, constantly just focusing on art, and friends would be like, hey, man, where you been? I'd be like, I've been here the whole time. I mean, like, you can come hang out, but I'm still going to be right staring down here and you can have conversations with me and I'll be listening, but I'll be drawing the entire time. Never stop drawing. Never stop pumping out compositions. Never stop challenging yourself and you will get through this apprenticeship perfectly fine. Listen to what your mentor is saying. Never argue with him when he's critiquing your work okay because he's saying it from a third-party perspective okay um make friends with other artists whether they're way ahead of you or not whether they're way below you travel spend your own dime traveling to different shops to make relationships with other people so that they can teach you how they do it because not one artist does the same thing as another artist And after your apprenticeship, you're going to start doing things that your mentor did or didn't do because that's just what's best for you. This is your artistic journey. This isn't your mentors. This isn't your friends. This isn't your family. This is your journey. Okay. So you you need to sacrifice a lot, unfortunately, to do that. And you need to be focusing generally on your art art all the time. Yes. Either because when you're tattooing, you're not drawing. And then when you come home, what do you have to do? Draw. Draw for the next day. Yeah. Or draw for the next project or draw a flash. Or do a consultation. Do a consultation. Like your work does not stop. No. So once your apprenticeship starts, like say goodbye to a lot of things and be okay with that. And unfortunately, I've lost a bunch of friends that just could not get on the same page as that. And I'm just, I'm sorry, you're not worth losing this opportunity and losing my worth over this. Right. So, and because of that, now I have so many friends like Amy that are just as hardworking. And just last <laughs> night, all we did, we just sat in silence for a little bit and we just worked. I know it was really cool. We had like a total iPad party. It was yeah. great. And I was like, I, I even thought I didn't audit. I didn't say it out loud, but I was like, God, it's so nice being in a room with somebody who's just doing work. With yeah. Me. I'm just working. I miss like, it in a private studio. I miss it. Yeah. And by the way, that is not just for your generation. I think that's just good, yeah. a good mentality when you're learning something anyway, well, is so, to absorb yourself yeah. in it. Because I come from a small business family. So it's so easy to stare at your phone though for hours. Well, you're practically staring at your hand. <laughs> well, and my apprentice even said it. She was like, comparison is the thief of joy. And yeah. it really is. And and while you're immersing yourself in all the stuff that you are shaming yourself about that you're not doing, you could be doing. And so that is, that is a thing to kind of mentally keep yourself in check because when you're activated, when you're doing things, it's a hell of a lot easier to confront that self-sabotage monster. It's all about the hours you put in. And if you know, you've put in X amount of hours, there's something about earning it. So 
just just to give a, a for instance, the reason why that doesn't apply just to Kier's generation or you know whatever is because it it's kind of essential for any business, at least within the observance of multiple professions that I've now kind of talked to. These people hustled and hustled hard. They were obsessed beyond reason about what they wanted to do. And coming from a small business family, everything was laced back into our business because it's what provided for us. It was what we had to value in order to substantiate our survival as a family. So everything came back home. There wasn't a distinction between, you know, this place and that. When I would sit around the family table at dinner, we would be talking about the business and that, that conversation was always there. And like here said, there was three hours or three hours, three years of my life that I did 80 hour weeks. And later, after I'd gotten my profession and I got rolling, I remember my friend coming back to me and she goes, God, I really didn't see you a lot at that point, but look at what you have. I'm so like, I wish I would have done more of that. I wish I would have cut a lot of fat out of other things and just walled myself in. Dude, people, and they're kind of like, and they, they then can see why you did all of that. And they don't take it as personally. And don't think that the friends that you said goodbye to won't come back just to let you know, they do come back and they're really, really proud of you after that, because they're like, holy shit, dude. Now I get why you did all those things. That's amazing. And it also gives them an ability to see where they can do it too and explore that. And then you can give something to them because you're coming from a place of abundance rather than a place of hunger and wanting when you're hungry, you can't give anything. There's no excess. And it's important to state that, you know, and I'll say it, but this isn't supposed to strew from telling all apprentices and all artists to, you know, kill themselves with work. Cause that's not the, point no, no, you have to bounce. Definitely um, take a breather with apprenticeships understand. And, you know, if you're in that, this is for the slacker mentality. This is for the lazy mentality yeah. I'm speaking to understand that you may think that you're doing a good job or whatever the heck you're doing. Understand that there's an apprentice in the next job over that's working 10 times as hard as you are. Yeah. And then there's an apprentice a next job over to him. That's working 10 times harder as him or her. And it just keeps going on and on. Like there are always going to be harder working artists than you always. And, and the reverse. Yes. If you're in a shit shop, don't think there aren't better shops. So, you Absolutely. know, it, it goes in reverse too. Like, it's just as uh, how far are you willing to take yourself yes. in your journey to get yes. to your success? Yes. That's really all it yes. ends up to. And um, I'm, should we get to questions? Yeah, let's do a few questions. All right. I guess now's the time to ask questions. So if you guys want to start like filling up the, the chat feed here with questions. We had a few, right? Yeah, I, I'm running through. So let me go to the YouTube one. Uh, yeah. We got Damon here. He says he likes my Bob's Burger tattoo. Listen, man, it is this, dope. this tattoo gets pointed out more than any other tattoo. Like nobody notices the Greedo stick figure, but they notice Bob's Burger. I think it's because of the color dynamics. And also you're wearing the same color shirt. I... <laughs> I am. That's, yeah. that's eternal's bondo and this is that color too yeah we decided yeah. to match but, um it's yeah thank you very much damon he asks uh any thoughts on people paying thousands of dollars for an apprenticeship Ooh. um i never paid i had a, a couple shops that wanted to charge me for an apprenticeship but i thought that that was just not like it didn't it just didn't feel good I was like, eh, I don't know, man. Hey, 
I mean, what do you feel about it? I, I have a really in-depth knowledge of that. So, yeah. so in the hair world, uh, at, at the very least, um, we actually paid our apprentices, but we did a contract. Oh, so I'll go through, I'll go through a couple different ways of, I think you can do it. Yeah. It really comes down to you and how you feel. Cause like you said, when you it, felt yeah, it out I and felt it, it wasn't like right. they were wanted to charge me like three grand, right. like it just, it depends on the situation truthfully. So here's the thing in hair, you have multiple things. I always look at what paradigms exist already in other professions so in hair they have schools they have apprenticeships in apprenticeships it's twice as much time to get your license and you work directly under somebody and there's a lot more oversight from a board whereas when you go to an accredited school it's up to i think like 13 or 14 thousand dollars in order to get your hair license you get it in half the amount of time so eh, you know like I, I feel like when you can pay for things, it can expedite you to where you want to go, maybe, but it really depends on who cares about the accreditation of the school that you yes. go to and whether or not within that bubble, that was the best way for you to learn something so that you're set up with the tools that you actually need. So it, it is kind of a weird question. So I'm kind of open to it. So in our, our profession, like my parents, they wrote up a contract that had a non-compete. If you do get it presented with a non-compete, check the mileage. It oh, should never yeah. be anything like 30 miles, yeah, especially yeah. if you're in a saturated area. That's, that's what happened with my first shop. Is right. That's kind of why I left that shop initially was because after, I think I was there for almost like almost a year and he presented me with a legal document that was notarized and everything. I was- my It shouldn't have happened for you to like sign without the notary there. Oh, oh. ready 18 years old that he's so i I was 18 years old he handed me this piece of paper that said that i had to work now i can have you sign it now he had me work at this shop for four years i had to work from there for another four years and then after that four years of working at that shop i couldn't work within a 30 mile radius of that shop which means i'd have to go out to boston after just building clientele at that shop for four years so I was like, yeah, dude, no, that's not happening. And he's like, well, if that's not happening, then you can't be here. I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. So um, this is how we did it at our hair salon. I think this is a really nice way to do it if you want to have a very nice in-depth, and especially if you have more of an employee kind of basis or, or status at your shop. So you do it this way. My parents crafted a... Um, an agreement that basically said that you have to work for X amount of time. You have to submit X amount of hours per week towards your apprenticeship or education. You will be paid a minimum wage throughout that time. So they paid their apprentices. Here's the deal though. You were obligated once you got your license, because it was a licensed profession, you were obligated to work for them for three years afterwards if you left any time between like even if you didn't complete your apprenticeship for example they had a per week like um fraction of a total cost they yeah. basically said that your entire education was thirteen thousand dollars yeah so they equivocated it to hair schools within that so if you fulfilled the entire thing three years after you had gotten your apprenticeship over with license 
and then you left and then you obeyed the non-compete, you were a free agent. You could go anywhere, whatever. You did owe time afterwards where you would stay and you would fulfill the need for somebody to want to teach you a craft. Yeah. So they would get their money out of you in both your work and everything. They're paying you a minimum wage. After that, it went to, you know, a um, pay scale that was more based upon the kind of clientele you brought in. Of course, your, you know, your pay went up exponentially after you got your license and you were you know, kind of working as a person. Yeah. So that was in the hair world. So when I went for my second apprenticeship, I, um, my first apprenticeship, I was paid 30%. But like I said, I worked like, I worked like 12 hours a week or no, 12 hours a day. I, I got 30%. I did a lot of the work in the shop. I even drew stuff for other people. And then at the end he slapped me with, Oh, you're an independent contractor. And you're not going to make, but so much at this point. And I was like, whoa, 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 I've been putting in 12 hour days here. Like I have been super invested in this and I'm only getting paid what? And I'm an independent contractor. You didn't tell me that this was how I was going to have to file. Absolutely. So that didn't seem worth it to me at the end. So that's where that went askew. Yeah. Um, even though he paid me throughout it, I was like, dude, if I had, known that I would have gotten another job and I wouldn't have worked 12 hour days here. I would have worked 30 hour weeks here and had another job to substantiate my education here. And you wouldn't have had to pay me shit. Um, so I think you can work it for money or for time. My boss, um, John, my second apprenticeship, he first, when it was proposed to me, said it's going to be, I think he said tw- uh, 2,500, 2,500 would be it. And he said, you know, that's going to go towards a lot of things that you're, you're basically, I'm going to help you buy along the way that is equipment that I'm not going to buy for you. And we'll, we'll go through all that, but I'm going to have to charge you for your education. And I said, okay, well, I, it was right around, it was right after it was 2009. So it was right after the economic collapsed, the financial markets collapsed in real estate and nobody was giving out loans. So I didn't have that money. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to see if I can get, you know, money. And I kept in contact with him. I got tattooed in the meantime, I was just getting whatever I could. And I was also working a whole other job and trying to, and I just, I just kept up with him. And then eventually his shop had certain people leave And then it became a thing where organizationally, he then needed a person to facilitate other jobs. So then he was like, hey, do you want to do it for time instead? And you don't get paid and you just shadow and you just work here and you learn what you can. And I was like, that I can do that. I can do right now. All in all, like, you know, back to the main uh, question, paying thousands thousands of dollars for an apprenticeship kind of seems like a red flag but it depends on the situation okay if you get working, it in writing yeah if you're working a get it in writing that's get any and your entire apprenticeship for me, get that in writing <laughs> i would want to see so with my apprenticeship uh, she didn't get paid uh during when i taught my apprentice yeah i didn't um, i got maybe like 20 bucks here and there for right doing a good job like i didn't really she did put in about 30 hours a week so that was mostly what i expected was at least 30 hours a week of um you know time given to observe and dedicate yourself to this other craft and then have your another job to kind of buffer that 
And then also I did have a curriculum for her. I did write up a curriculum so that she could kind of mark progression. And it wiggled at times because, you know, things would come up that would tax it, but at least on the optics in the front, I was showing her what we would go through. So I feel like there should also be some kind of curriculum that they can kind of tell you the journey. They're not going to be able to tell you how long because you're going to have to master each point of that curriculum before you move forward. And don't get anything in writing. Like don't sign a legal document unless you have like a lawyer or something. Yeah, read it Especially if you're like an 18 year old. Like please don't sign any sort of legal document. Notarization should happen. FYI, I know this about knowing notaries, you cannot sign something after it's already been notarized. Um, You're supposed to, as a notary, witness both signatures and then you notarize it. So if it's already notarized and your signature isn't on it, that's a huge fucking red flag. That's not even a good notary. So just just so you guys know, you both go to a bank or someplace where you find a notary they witness you both signing the contract and then they notarize it. That is the progression of notarization um, and definitely have a lawyer look over it. So there's a question for you, Amy. Yeah. From Casey Lee. Okay. He says, Hi, did, Casey. did you find that the, that the going through the barber apprenticeship helped you in reference to your second tattoo apprenticeship? Yes. A lot. Um, oh, do you mean like teaching a, a, an apprentice at the time when I was, so Okay, so I'll comment on both things. So being a barber apprenticeship twice, I did two barber apprenticeships. I actually have done four apprenticeships in my whole life, two in barbering and two in in tattooing. Um, Every single one was um, worth it, no matter how much I completed it or not and walked away. Um, Within hair, it's so much more a, a regulated and choreographed profession where there is a lot more outside expectations of how it's done. So I feel like it gave me a framework of what to expect Mm -hmm. when going into something that was a little bit more wild westy. I I feel like I was able to kind of stand behind the kind of uh, framework that I could wrap myself around. And I also think it gave me a lot of value, um, because I had a whole other profession, you know, like I had already reached a whole other profession via this Avenue. And I understood what all aspects of that were from that kind of viewpoint, where it's a completely different way of learning than when you learn, as in, in a, in a school, because a school, there's like kind of a disconnect. Whereas if you're learning on site with the business that you're going to be working within, you learn what the business expects, you learn, um, client relations, you learn about, you know, company ethics and, and, um, mission statements and all of those things. And, and it's a lot more in depth one-on-one with a person. So I think understanding, what that felt like and also knowing how to ask questions and how to um, deal with situations where like, say, I I don't know what I'm doing. We were talking about this beforehand. If there was a haircut that I was intimidated to do, my mentor was right there. I would say to my client, Hey, this is above my pay grade. I'm not really, I I don't, I don't know how to do this. Um, So rather than cut your hair and traumatize you and possibly myself, could we put a pin in this? Um, Because the, the apprenticeship 
haircuts, just like the apprenticeship tattoos, were either free or heavily discounted. So this person is already submitting themselves to somebody else's education for a fraction of the price. And they kind of know what they're getting, or at least they should. Um, so part of that means you might get a really dope haircut for very cheap, but you need more time in acquiring it. So we would either reschedule their appointment or if my mentor was available, which happened to be my father, he would come over and he would instruct me through it as I went point by point, or he would do it for me so that I could actually watch him do it. So that's the difference kind of of it too, is that you have somebody directly under that you get to have questions with. Now, in terms of teaching somebody in hair, um, that gave me a forecast about who to pick as far as who you're going to mentor, because I feel like I expedited that too much. And this, uh, I have to make this brief. Um, he, he was a body that I thought that I could just teach hair to. He said he wanted to learn it, but I think he was just looking for a job. I didn't pick a person that really, really was passionate about doing what I did. And that fell flat on my face with that. You can't put information into an unwilling mind. It's just, it, it can't happen. So he was just he just didn't care. And it was evident and I had to cache that. And so I learned a lot about who to pick. I don't know if that answers all your questions. <laughs> um, I have nothing to say because I don't do hair. Well, the only thing I'd say about hair is that I think everybody should go to like professional hairdresser and talk about color theory. Just yes. Oh my God. <laughs> it's so congruent. I will say that. It's the concurrency of like, you can't take pigment out. You can only put pigment in. Complementary pigments, how to right. make other pigments, like how to take like color theory and hairstylist. Like if you love color, go get your hair done and talk about color theory to a color specialist. It's amazing. Um, so we have a That's couple a here. Bruno says, hi. Hi, Bruno. Hi, Bruno. You're the best, buddy. Happy almost birthday, bud. Yay. Happy birthday. It's his birthday's on the first. Oh, right on. Oh, July, yes. baby. I love it. All right. <laughs> so we got here. This is a big question from Melissa. Uh, we may go over our two o'clock time, but yes. I don't think anybody really cares. Um, okay. So I'll start this question off only because this pretty much does have to relate to the digital age now, but I'm sure you can talk of back. Will it be day. time for you to talk to them for a second? I have to pee real quick, guys. Okay. I'll be right back. I'm sorry. She's got the tiniest bladder. Oh God, the last it's terrible. But you can start it off and I'll, I'll wrap up. All right. Well, at least you're the question first. So the question yes. is, uh, curious if you ladies have had a chance to talk to artists that went through a tattoo school versus an apprenticeship. Not sure what other states do the schooling. I know it's very few, but Oregon is one of those. Noted. Noted. I've got a lot for that, but yes, I'll be back. I do too. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so uh, as far as I'm concerned with tattoo schooling, it, the degree or certificate that you get with the schooling does not guarantee you a license in many states. So like here in Massachusetts, it's a town by town basis. So that means that like here in my town, their rules are completely different to if you just went to the next town over, which is like five minutes. So they require completely different things as far as licensing, um, certificates, uh, proof of, of apprenticeship of three years or more, um, written documentation from the health department. Like those are all the things they require. If you have a certificate from a tattoo school in Oregon, they might not accept that if you want to go to a convention in other states. And at the same time, 
um, I, it's, but the opinion that I have on this is very biased because I don't feel like tattoo schools are helpful only because I'm ignorant and don't know what really entail on them at all. I did not go to art school at all. I was thinking about it. I was going to go to um, Montserrat Academy in Boston and Lyme Academy in Connecticut. And I was also thinking about going to one in Rhode Island. I forgot the name of that one. Um, but I, the only reason why I did not go was because I totaled it. And at the end of my four years, I would have been in debt $350,000. And that's just a lot for a 20 year old. I'm sorry. So, and I realized that you can learn a lot of things from YouTube and reinventing. You don't necessarily need to uh, go extradite yourself to a tattoo school or a um, uh, art school or anything like that. Not saying that the people that are in art school are doing the wrong thing because you may have great professors, you may be learning great things, touching on materials that I haven't even touched on. Um, so that's amazing that you do that. I just have my own reasons for not doing it. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say about tattoo school. I do. Um, I see them birthing. I see them birthing for yeah. a lot of the reasons that I'm exploring on the apprenticeship diaries. Um, I think they're inevitable, um, mostly because more and more regulation is coming to states. And if you want a kind of a relationship between things, the regulation have a lot to do about coining tattoo schools. So if it's, it's all about standardization. So what I would say is, is that I would be prepared if you are going to a tattoo school for you to have to do some form of an apprenticeship afterwards yeah. when you go into your profession, because they're only going to give you an observance of the laws and regulations that are involved there. And, and you're going you know, to have yeah. a disconnect. I don't know any teachers that are actually good like tattoo or tattooers well and well that's there. the other part of it is that whereas in hair schools and in, in other colleges yeah. and things like that you have accredited universities that have a draw that are bringing in seasoned professional professionals that are teaching as well yeah, that like are is, this, is it the health department teaching right. how to tattoo or right so that's that's kind of it i will say that it's not going to be a bad use of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get your foot in the door, there is a lot you're going to learn from a school. Like there, there is, and I see them up and coming. I do think that the first iterations of schools are usually really, really great because there's a lot of passion, a lot of heart behind them, and they are yeah. sincere and wanting to bring out the best. I do find that over time, most things become about money um, and they get a little too standard for their own good and they lack a, um, a real um, touchstone with the actual profession yeah. over time. So yes. you have to be very careful with that. And, and there's a reason why there is a pushback to school, schools in tattooing. It's mostly because we want to control the dynamic of our profession. We and, don't want yeah. other entities setting rules for us. And there's no one way. That, right, that we know. And once regulation comes in and law, like government devised law, it doesn't de-escalate from there. It only keeps escalating. And then you find yourself 
in a nine to five with all these fucking rules, with all this control and there's no art anymore. And so I feel like it's better to maybe if you wanted to have, and you can afford to pay for a school, get a foundation, right. Get a foundation. If it's the access you have, um, that's fine. I wouldn't just never benchmark anything. Never see that as right. Well, just never see that as a reason why you should get anything. Yeah. Like if you go to a top tier university and there's a hundred people in your graduating class, understand that you have a hundred people that are going out into that market space that you're actively competing with for a job that equally have. And if they all stay in Oregon. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. They equally have the certificate that says they did blah, blah, blah. And who the fuck actually looks at your, your grades? Like, do you ask your doctor about their grades? They look at the piece of paper and they, and they say, oh, you've done this. And so has 10 other people, you know, and I've got, how do I choose between you? Well, yeah, I can't speak for myself either, but you, you never know when you go into a tattoo shop with a certificate that says I graduated from tattoo university, they'd be like, what the fuck? Right. (laughs) Okay. You're starting from square zero, actually. (laughs) I think that if you just have a really good, um, my mom always said it as a ziggler. Zig Ziglar quote, um, it is not one's aptitude, but rather their attitude that determines one's altitude. And yeah. so have a good attitude, have fall in love with learning, not what you learn. So if you're a kind of person who's just constantly asking questions, pushing the envelope, that's more of it to me. I have no objection to anything with regarding like, cause I, be, I believe in free markets. I just do. I believe that people will f- like the cream of the crop will rise to the top. And I like that dynamic. So there are people who want their business to be about education and formulating schools. I think the good schools, the good educators will be the ones that dominate that. Oh. They'll earn that position. Melissa said that unfortunately tattoo school is the first step in licensing here. Finding a mentor directly like an apprenticeship after is a lot tougher. Really? Um, That's rough. She said Oregon is pretty strict in regards to regulation. I personally feel it was more lacking in art instruction, but had spent four years in a graphic design degree prior to tattooing school. Well, and that's the thing. Interesting. Well, see, licensure, and that's it. The piece of paper means something. And, And towards a person, and this is something that I'm kind of venturing into myself. I don't I don't, wouldn't necessarily do a school, but I like the idea yeah. of having course studies that I put out on YouTube or things like that. Because if I, for example, become a kind of entity, which I can only dream about at this point, but I come up, become a kind of entity where say my name gets out there and people go, oh, you took Amy Nichols courses. Guy Ashison is that for us right now. He's Absolutely. like the buzz name that, oh, you know who Guy Ashison is and that you take his courses oh, cool. You've invested a certain amount of knowledge. It's the same thing with the licensure. If you're in a state that has licensure for you to even get in the door for an apprenticeship, but that's, that's just negating a lot of things that your mentor doesn't have to teach you. You've already been taught these fundamentals. And that's why I say a school's not bad. It's going to give you a foundation. At least it should. Yeah. Um, please expect that that doesn't benchmark. I mean, the whole point of this whole thing that we're talking about is that there is no plateau. Mm -hmm. There should just be constant escalation. There's going to be like some, yeah, they're definitely going to go like this. Right. But 
it should be always up. And if it yeah. stops going up, you should probably not tattoo anymore because the integral nature of what you're marking people with forever, that is a karmic kind of thing for me. And I feel like if you cannot be passionate about it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't involve anybody else in it. Let's be real. So yeah. So well, that's my view about yeah, it. it, it and she did ask for our opinion. So it's definitely not like, we're not professionals in that fact of it. You know more than I And by the way, it's changed. I just want you to know that it has changed for me because when I first started my apprenticeship, I wanted there to be tattoo schools because it was so fucking hard for me to get an apprenticeship. It was impossible. Like there was no access. Like it was a lot better for me than it was for the people that were years behind me. I mean, that was really impossible. There was no literature. There was no access. There was nothing like you had to really be in the inner circle. I mean, I didn't even have a tattoo when I started tattooing, by the way, everybody, I, I wasn't tattooed, which, you know, there's waffling views on that too. But like, I, I wasn't, in the tattoo culture, I was in the art culture and, and I was pursuing a career as illustration. And then I shift pivoted and then said, I want, I just want to get in the, the work market. I want to start working and making money. And I, and I started seeing this disconnect between my school environment, this piece of paper and how much it would actually yield to me what I wanted. And what I saw was it wasn't yielding what I was wanting. I was getting art jobs in school and having to turn them down because I had too much art homework. Absolutely. So what was the point? So I think you have to have that constant critical analysis of your own journey. Absolutely. Once again, this is your art journey. Yeah. So clearly, Melissa, you had to go through things that we didn't have to go through. And we went through things that you didn't have to go through. Right. So it's all a different journey. But as far as opinion goes, like if you if you had to go through it, then unfortunately, like that's the, that's the case of it. But if I had the choice, I, I, I didn't go to art school, so I would not want to go to tattoo school either. Um, so it's only because of the technological age and how you can learn so much stuff for free online or through reinventing or through, you know, anything like that, but that kind of segments into, we'll make this our last you have, question. Yeah. You have to, you have to be okay with the hoops that you're jumping through. If they're too high and if they're too obscure or ridiculous to you, then, then clearly that's a measure of your tenacity on certain levels. Yeah. But I feel like it, if there's, you should never resent jumping hoops. Jumping hoops is necessary with everything these things about regulation and licensure, they're walls. And the, I forget who did the speech, but walls are not created to keep people out. It's, it's to benchmark tenacity because you can climb over a wall. Mm -hmm. It's just that it's going to be a barrier for those who look at a wall and go, I don't like climbing. <laughs> so just, just, you know, for that. Um, so we'll go on to our final question here. But, yeah. So there's two questions that are pretty similar. There's one on reinventing and one on YouTube. So I'll read them both and then we'll kind of go over that because this is a pretty important subject. Um, Charlie. We got Katie's. Um, <laughs> okay. So Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. He's a regular here on reinventing. Mm -hmm. um, with and thank you for your poster submission too. It was absolutely. Awesome. I loved it. Kyle. It was hard. Very, Just know yes. it was really hard for us to make choices. Um, so he says, with all of the knowledge available, do you think it's worth teaching yourself about tattooing and machines if you're serious about being in the industry and you don't have any shop options around your area? And then Sarah says on youtube how do you feel about self-taught tattoo artists do you think self-taught tattooists will also need to anticipate an apprenticeship and how do you feel about them in the industry i'm going to say now my mentor was self-taught 
I have also friends with self-taught tattoo artists. It's not recommended, but sometimes you have no choice. Sometimes it's, that's it. Um, as far, I don't want to say that go for it if like, I don't want to say that because that's not a thing that should be said. But um, as far as like, how do I feel about them? They're artists, just like, just like I am, you know? Just because I went through an apprenticeship and they didn't doesn't mean that I'm more or less than they are. Um, I've, I actually take much more pride and respect into them because they're so self-taught and they've got themselves at such a level all by themselves without any guidance whatsoever other than their own failures. So, um, but I know it's tough and I can't speak from that, but I know it's tough for people who live in the middle of nowhere who have one shop in town and it's not great. I would say, okay, so part of my philosophy of things is not being married to a lot of things. I feel like having kind of a liquid philosophy of things of where, you know, you become the water and you, 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 Be like water. right. Like you shift the space here. And so in, in a, in a, in a way, when you don't have a lot of access, I feel like, um, you have to be willing to put yourself in alignment with the access. So, um, if you're not willing to go to where you can find the things you need to, that might say something about the walls that are actually presented to you. Yeah. Or, you know, you, I, I, look, I got a tattoo kit. Yeah, I did too. I did. I tattooed my friends in my house, but I tattooed my friends and it was only people that I would ever welcome into my home. There's a lot of precarious things that come about when you let people into your space and you're not being walked through something by a guiding eye because it's for your protection as much as it is anything. So don't ever think that it's just about, you know, us shitting on you because you're, you're, you're passionate. You're trying to learn something. It's just better guiding. It's a worrying thing too. It's a worry that like somebody's going to come in your home and take advantage of you in a way that's not appropriate. Um, and then feeling that way and not knowing how to handle that situation, not feeling what your rights are or anything like that. And, and, you know, it's everything like putting things in the skin, you know, just having somebody there that can stop you before you really go too far in something is really good. So, and even if you self-teach, even if you open up a shop in your area, even if you're, you get going and you have your clientele. Don't self-teach in your own bedroom though. Well, I mean, but even if, even if that is your story and it escalates to that point, understand that that's not the epitome of awesome. Yeah. Just because you're making money, just because you, you, you're a small, you know, big fish in a small pond, that's all you are. You should, you should test yourself with other waters Yeah. always and want to be a part of bigger ponds so that you can see how awesome you are within any context yeah, that's just my opinion. Just be smart and be healthy yeah. and be, you know, think of cleanliness. Think. Uh, <laughs> like, like I bought one too, but I was more like playing with the machines, not tattooing people. I think I like the people I tattoo were people's fingers. And I still felt like super uncomfortable tattooing in a setting that I knew I wasn't supposed to. Right. Um, so I think, and, and like I said, my mentor was self-taught. He didn't have an, a mentor and 
one of my very good friends is self-taught and like one of the greatest artists I've ever met. So there's nothing negative to be said about these artists, but it's more of just the egotistical side. Like how proud are you that you tattooed out of your bedroom and are going to stay there, but right. nowhere else. Like I'm, I'm fine staying here, not progressing. Plus I'm sorry, but I don't believe anybody's self-made. I yeah. think that we're all coming with different points of influence and accessibility and what we do with them is what we do with them. But unless you're completely a hermit out in the middle of nowhere, picking like thorns off of things and crafting your own ink and dipping it in. And then, I don't know, skinning cats and, and sitting there and like tapping it in. Like Monday malarkey shit. You're not fucking self-taught, okay? Mm-hmm. You have influence, you have people around you. None of us are. And with the digital age, please ask questions. And if, don't post that on, right. on Instagram. <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't act like you lay on like a basket that's turned upside no, down. Not if you have any hope of making it in this industry. Well, having an easy start being accepted yeah. by people who oh, are yeah. in the industry. Because it's it's just kind of they a will, blasphemous thing. They'll come at you hard. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to, they're not going to find that cute. <laughs> it's no, not a good look. It's, and it's, it's not a good look. It's, it, if you do have no choice but to self-teach, you've been, but I want like valiant effort. Like yeah. I want like going to every single shop, meeting yeah. almost every single artist. And if they all say no, and you have no choice whatsoever, you really want to do this. You're getting older. Your job is like shitty. Get a subscription to reinventing the tattoo. Thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Right. Get a subscription to reinventing the tattoo. It's worth it. Because, oh my Lord, the content on there, the canon alone. It's not thousands of dollars either. It's less than a dollar a day. And like, get a subscription there. Read the canon. He has many videos, exercises. I teach a class. She has a podcast. Like, he, Guy Ashton teaches a class every Monday where he can help your uh, drawing skills. Uh, there's two drawing groups, well, three now. Ricardo just started his today. Jason Laser does his on Sundays. There is the Tattoo Collector, which is another tattoo podcast. Tattoo Collecting Podcast. Right. Like, I could keep going. Right. Like, there's just ancient Plus, Americans, like, everything. This app, which is free, puts yes. you in contact with a social group of, of really legit artists. Yes. With us, but with you. So you can ask questions. Um, and we're not going to be assholes. I'm not. I, mean, I can't. I can't say. I mean, we're, <laughs> anybody else, but I'm we're, not. We're assholes, <laughs> but we're not douchebags. Okay. Right. <laughs> There's a fine difference. Right. So, like, even if you are like scratching out of your house and like post something that's completely torn up, like we're still gonna be like, okay, uh, this is how you can do this better. Right. Uh, maybe not. I will make you work for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna give you the answers. I will make you work for the questions that you ask because I feel like that's a part of it. Um, But I'm not going to be a dick. It might feel that way because, you know, it's hard enough to ask a question, but I'm going to make you work for the answer. Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, Colty1992 on here on YouTube. He says, uh, these are all great insights. It's helping me navigate the future of my apprenticeship or art journey cutting out aspects of personal life hit home. I have more of a hunger for learning than people, not all people, because I realize this job involves people skills, but I'd rather be around people who understand the industry, have a love for art. So thank you both for all the insights. Oh, well, of course, man, 
Thank or you. that's why we did this because I was getting messages left and right about how to get an apprenticeship. And I was like, you know what, man, like, I'll just say it out and, and about. And, and the big quote is, it depends. It all depends. That um, is a big thing. It, it depends. all depends. And just so you know, I feel like if you care about something, uh, you give it to someone else. So it's yes. about legacy. It's about caring about a profession and, you know, again, going back to who is earnest, who isn't, I think the earnest people are people who are very passionate about, you know, guiding the next generation into the future. So that means the world to us, because I too, like there's a saturation point of just how many people I can actually coach individually. So if this can help people at mass, at least direct you to finding your perfect mentor or situation, Blessings on blessings. Absolutely. So awesome. Or even just the motivation <laughs> to, to continue to get yourself mentally on the right path. Yeah. Um, and, and Casey says here, that's why uh, that's why it's so awesome about reinventing what reinventing is doing, bringing all the artists together for education from all over the world. Yep. Uh, back in the day, this just wasn't possible. Yep. And absolutely. Like I in, alone in these last since January of being licensed. I've been to Illinois, Philadelphia. I'm going to Florida next month. I'm going to all these conventions solely from reinventing the tattoo. I made all these connections and I didn't even get reinventing to get these connections. I solely got reinventing just for the canon. That's yeah. it. And, and I could have done this live from my house, but I decided to like, you know, that's the other thing I will say about the digital age. No one to put it down, de-escalate, put your fucking feet in some grass make a real deal connection because that's what Kira's also done is that she didn't just benchmark it about her digital access. She went and she met people. She's communed with the people that she's met through reinventing and stuff. So, you know, having that, that touch point is really, really good. And it's part of what you should love about it's part it. of your education. Yeah. All that matters. Yeah. Is you're just trying to be better than you were yesterday. Right. Well, and in any business networking is, it, that's it. That's what business is. It's like a heightened understanding of networking and, um, you know, client relationships, everything like, and that, that goes back to our thing about like friendships and stuff like that. I do feel that you attract the kind of people that you're going to be around and you create this friend group that is so enriched with the kind of things that you want. And, and it's coming from a place where you can truly love on people. So while you're existing outside of your integrity or things that feel wrong for your groove, you might find that you don't really like people, but when you're in your groove and your step and you're doing things, everybody who gets filtered through that is the kind of people you want to be around. Absolutely. They are. So. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Well, um, let's try it. Let's wrap this up with yeah. final statements. Uh, uh, I guess my final statement would be like, it's your, your apprenticeship is not forever. It's, this is just a, a, a blink in time. Um, so the, just remember what your end goal is. Remember who you are as an artist. And lastly, if your question every single day is, when am I going to find my style? It's going to happen with time. There's a perfect thing that my mentor said that was when I was learning my basic fundamentals and I couldn't even draw a stick figure, I'd say every day, when am I going to be just as good as you? And he said, you know what, man, you're honestly, you're going to wake up one day and you're just going to be able to do it. I'm like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, and he's absolutely right. Okay. I don't like admitting it. He's absolutely right. One day, three years later, I woke up and I was just going confidence and all just going. 
So just bear with yourself, be kind to yourself and keep learning. Never stop learning and get at reinventing the tattoo subscription because that's going to change your life. To parry off of that, I don't, I feel like people see a style in my work, but I don't really know my style. And I think that it should never be a goal to necessarily have a style. Style is a lot about how to brand yourself. And whilst that might be good, for me, as long as you're making money and you're you're doing the thing that you aim to do and you're able to substantiate your life to keep doing it, just keep doing it and keep yourself fresh and exploring things. You might you might stay on something for a little bit and and camp there for a while and maybe it is so much that you get coined into a style. Um, but I would say um, fall in love with, with the journey. Happiness is not a fixed point. It's in the rhythm of resubmitting yourself to the suck and seeing what you're made of and walking into your fears. Yeah. You're going to fail like all the time. Yeah. Okay or at least that. you're going to feel like that. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to thank everybody. Absolutely. Um, thank you for being here. We have culminated to all of this for months. Thank you to Angie. You can find her at Angie does art please follow her. She's an amazing talent. Um, she, she's a lovely human being. She's very sweet and kind. I mean, at least that's what I've gathered from her. We only know each other digitally right now. Um, but she's an amazing talent and, um, thank you to all the other poster entries as well. Your your hustle was noted. It was really hard to pick between you. And I think you all have, um, a future in this. I mean, you're already showing, so much tenacity towards what you want to do that it, it we see you that was the point was to give you an ability to be seen by yeah. people and we're get some for you yeah dude like we're excited we're about your future you. so we can't wait to see it so, i can't wait to say for most of you i know i'm going to be able to say i knew that person when yeah. <laughs> so it's so exciting. Yeah, so absolutely. thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Reinventing the Tattoo. Uh, thank you to Guy, Gabe, Lauren. Yes, thank you. for bearing with us with through all of this. Um, thank Almost you forgot. To the whole community. <laughs> I want to thank the Horsemen, Jason, Ricardo, uh, Larry, Bruno. Thank you guys so much for yes. giving me the confidence to do something like this. Um, I'll see you guys soon. Um, uh, I think that's kind of it. Like, uh, that's, that's that. Where can people find you? Oh, um, well, anywhere you, if you, it's the podcast, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, we're pretty much streaming on all of those facets. It's the apprenticeship diaries. Um, the Instagram is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries, um, to follow us. Uh, we, we do look at more than just two tattoo artists, but it's professional journeys and beginnings. Um, me personally, uh, you can find my art at a Nichols tattoos. Um, and that's, anecklestattoos.com if you would like to get in contact if you're interested in getting a tattoo for me um but where are you tattooing out of oh private studio thank you (laughs) um it's called beyond the pale art studio (laughs) this is this is my baby it's just a private little studio right now uh it's in eldersburg maryland if i can say it um I'm also a licensed tattoo artist in Rhode Island and I frequent there often and I go guest spot at my friend uh, shop, uh, Evan Olin and Powerline. Um, but I hope to do more. I want to circuit more, but just so everybody knows, Maryland is not regulated right now in tattooing, but I 
am licensed and regulated at some point under another state. So I have gone through all those things. So just so everybody knows if that matters to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, Frankie says things. Yes. Uh, pretty sure I'm on reinventing as Frankie tattoos things. Um, I teach a class every Thursday. I did miss yes. last week's. Uh, unfortunately, I did have uh, other obligations I did have to do last minute. But this week we are working on our final for our first segment that we've been doing of shapes and forms. We're going to be working on uh, construction and shape relationships, which is very important. We're going to be putting the cube sphere and cylinder all in one mesh and understanding how you can look at the world through that. So we'll be doing that, and um, I tattoo out of Western Massachusetts. If anybody wants a cool tattoo, let me know. Hit me up, DM me, all that yes. fun stuff. I love doing color and cartoons. One more place. It's a new frontier for me, so I'm sorry I didn't enter it. But if you're on Clubhouse, find me. I'm on Clubhouse. It's A. Nichols Tattoo, not Tattoos. Um follow me there. I'll probably follow you back. I do regular rooms there. Um, some are based off of the podcast. Some are just based off of my idea of my studio, but if you want to talk to me, it's really not that hard. I love talking. Oh yes. Great. I don't know if it's a parent, but, <laughs> um, and you can also find me at the conventions yes. that are happening. Uh, my first convention battlefield expo, July 11th and 12th. I believe don't get mad at me Jason <laughs> and I'll be at the Philly convention um I don't remember when that is but that's coming up soon. Google it it'll be uh, fine just Google it and then I'll be in uh Brussels in Belgium in November that'll be super fun that'll be the whole crew coming together so check us out there um also for the reinventing the crew or any tattoo artist artists in general I will be up at Jimney Peak October 3rd through the 6th. Yes. And me too. Um, Amy will be there too. A lot of the reinventing crew will be there. If anybody wants some spots, uh, I think a couple are open. I think we yes. just have to re- reserve a room and that means yeah. that you're in. It's a uh, BYOB, bring your own booze, brain, broad, brains, Bud. berries, I guess, which things. is a funny one. Yeah. Um, we're just going to be hanging out. And if you want to learn different artistic things, then absolutely. It's um, a great group of people. It's always been awesome. And changed my life. is awesome. Changed my life. Yeah. Um, but thank you guys so much. Um, and then we will look and shut this down. <laughs> I know. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much.